insight, innovation, transformation. Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to our Change Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Archie Mayani, Chief Product Officer, leading Change Healthcare's enterprise imaging business. I provide product leadership for our global teams here at Change Healthcare, where we're building the next generation cloud-native clinical and workflow solutions for enterprise imaging. Today, we're here to discuss the transformative effect of cloud technology, especially in healthcare and imaging informatics. The new generation of cloud-based solutions are here to stay and offer a tangible route to cloud. For healthcare providers undergoing the long-term digitization, the potential of cloud technology truly resonates, but there are challenges to overcome. The complexities of adoption are daunting and certainly difficult to navigate where we are today. Nowhere is this more evident in healthcare than imaging informatics. A front runner of healthcare digital innovation, the imaging sector has a complex legacy of on-premise, siloed, best-of-breed applications that interact and influence every point of the care continuum. Today, our guest joining us on this program is Steve Holloway, co-founder, director, and principal analyst at Signify Research, a global market intelligence firm focused exclusively on healthcare technology. Steve, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Thanks, Archie, and I uh, appreciate being here today. So. Uh, my name is Steve Holloway and I lead the healthcare IT practice here at Signify. Um, so I've been in the industry for a little over 12 years now, um, predominantly focused in terms of healthcare technology market intelligence with a specific focus around medical imaging device markets, but particularly um, the imaging informatics and clinical IT sectors. So really glad to be here today and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you for joining us today, Steve. And uh, a little birdie told us you have the latest and the greatest addition in the family. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, thank you. So no, apologies if I'm a bit slow today because uh, sleep isn't very forthcoming at the moment. No, I, I doubt that. But uh, again, wonderful, wonderful news. Uh, before we jump into the, the nitty gritties of the cloud, I wanted to sort of, you know, get your take on you know, everybody's talking about cloud, every single vendor, every single analyst. Do you feel like COVID-19 has had a significant impact in how we are sort of getting bold in the healthcare industry, you know, embracing change and, uh, you know, cloud is sort of the front runner of it? What, what is your perspective and take on it? Yeah, it's a really good question, Archie. I think from our perspective, and, and obviously we, we look very much in terms of the imaging informatics space, but also much more broadly across healthcare technology, I think COVID-19 really shone a light on areas of inefficiency um, within healthcare systems and within the care continuum, and also broke down some of the barriers in terms of innovation and adoption of new technology. It really forced healthcare providers to have to make decisions and implement new technology quickly to be able to react to obviously the, the significant challenge that COVID-19 has presented. So 
certainly in terms of the discussions we're having uh, both with our client base in terms of the healthcare technology vendors, but more broadly in terms of the, the industry ecosystem we speak with, there is very much a feeling of um, COVID-19 being a sort of you know, landmark turning point for healthcare in terms of driving that sort of technology adoption and also changing the way healthcare systems are going to use technology in the future. So it's a really exciting time as we come out the other side um, of the pandemic to see how that proliferates in terms of you know, new approaches and strategies, but also helping healthcare catch up, I would say, with some of the other industry sectors where technology like cloud has been used for, for decades even. That's a very important point that, you know, healthcare industry as, as, as on its own, you know, sort of seeing this digitization or transformation, which, you know, maybe a couple of decades, you know, behind some of the other industries. But, you know, as our, as our customers, as our healthcare organizations and providers look at cloud, should they look at all clouds being the same or, or are there different clouds? There's lots of different flavours, <laughs> I would definitely say that. And I think that's one of the first things when we, and, and we're going to dig into this, I know, in, in more detail later. But one of the areas that we look at in terms of the white paper um, that will be accompanying this podcast is, you know, cloud is an overarching term that is used in a lot of marketing campaigns and a lot of product briefings interchangeably, but there are vast differences in the capabilities and performance of, of different cloud solutions. Um, so I think it's important that providers really understand the nuances um, when they're assessing products in the market to understand you know, what the differences are. And, and one of the key differentiators, I would say, um, when looking particularly at software applications in, in healthcare IT and imaging informatics is the difference between um, cloud-enabled and cloud-native products. So cloud-enabled products are generally software applications that are designed for use um, in an on-premise, you know, non-cloud basis, but have been essentially lifted and shifted into the cloud environment. Now, that gets you to cloud quickly, but it often means that the products haven't necessarily been designed for use with cloud technology and so aren't really maximizing or leveraging the benefits that cloud can really provide. So there's some definite trade-offs with those sort of cloud-enabled um, solutions. When you look at cloud-native, um, obviously these are products and applications that have been designed to really leverage the power that um, cloud technology can offer, um, and particularly around performance, scalability, you know, the availability of, of compute power and actually how processing power is distributed across the enterprise to support different processes um, is a really important part of, of that cloud native design process. And it's, it's not straightforward. So we're seeing in the market today a lot of vendors, you know, trying to jump on the trend and the momentum around tech, cloud technology, but doing so with cloud enabled products and potentially missing the mark in terms of, you know, having that solution that really, you know, meets the promise of, of, of cloud technology that is being talked about a lot in the industry. So um, from our perspective, there's still a long way to go in healthcare to move a lot of these on-premise applications towards cloud native. 
because it requires a lot of R&D undertaking as well um, and a lot of investment from, from software vendors to do so. But, you know, at the same time, there is a growing understanding from providers, I think, you know, that just because a product has a cloud label attached to it doesn't mean it necessarily can leverage the full power of, of cloud technology straight out the box, as it were, if it's a cloud enabled solution. So I think that's something that is becoming more and more apparent as healthcare providers really get, you know, looking under the hood of solutions and, and really trying to, um, you know, better understand what solutions are going to meet their needs in the future. Um, and, and maybe that's something you are you are seeing as well as you're talking to providers that they're starting to ask you know more serious questions around cloud and more technical detailed questions around cloud in terms of their deployment strategies that is so true and i think one thing you said about you know between sort of you know how i love how you described this you know cloud enabled versus cloud native and there's so much of education that is needed you know for our for our industry uh, it's mind blowing because you're right that we are getting a lot more requests in terms of you know sort of the nitty gritties and you know peering under the hood if you will in terms of what exact capabilities do we provide with our cloud solutions but then there is a section of the of the industry where i think we just need to do more as the stalwarts as the as the forward thinking leaders to to truly isolate the differences between you know cloud native and cloud enabled and one thing you commented was around missing the mark and you 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 particularly focused on the fact that while there are some some gains with the cloud enabled technologies and solutions they would miss the overall mark compared to a cloud native architecture mm-hmm. Would you would you mind expounding on that a little bit? Sure. Um, I, I think when most healthcare providers are looking to, to cloud, they're looking for really a solution to a number of different problems. Um, you know, and, and and you can break it down. You know, they're, they're looking for a way to better manage cost in terms of both their own internal IT spending, but all of the challenges that come with on-premise maintenance. Um, they're certainly looking at it from a security perspective, um, and I know we're going to talk about cybersecurity a little bit more later, but that's a major one for them as well in terms of their assessment criteria. They're also really struggling with a complexity um, challenge, particularly as healthcare systems have scaled and you've got larger and larger networks. You know, managing multiple applications and multiple iterations of applications across multiple sites within larger enterprise networks is very difficult. So they're looking for that sort of scalability element, but also support in terms of how they manage that. And ultimately, you know, they want similar performance, you know, overall for the system as well. They don't want to be making compromises versus what they already have. Um, And actually they're looking for improvements in performance, especially when you consider, you know, in a post COVID environment, we're playing very much sort of catch up in terms of oversubscription of healthcare services and the need for, you know, um, sort of the pent up demand that there now is in the system, you know, efficiency and, and performance is a real, you know, stickler that, that many of these um, healthcare providers are, you know, focusing on almost above everything else because there is so much demand and they're, they're overstretched at the moment. So across all of those four areas and those criteria, 
they're looking and assessing you know how cloud products can help them make improvements and in terms of overall sort of return on investment across the board um, and i think what is becoming evident in some cases is that cloud enabled products are being sold answering all of those questions but not necessarily when they're being deployed or you know as as discussions get further into the detail it becomes apparent they're not able to tick all of those boxes from a return on investment perspective so i think it's becoming clearer to some providers that you know and each you know provider does have its own unique needs characteristics its own local bandwidth issues etc cetera, etc cetera, they need to work through but i think across all of those four criteria sets there is an expectation that you know if they are going to do the work and the heavy lifting to move to cloud they want to see some return um, across all of those areas and it's only really the sort of cloud native products where you can almost start to say you can kind of guarantee that down the line I think with the cloud enabled ones, it becomes a much riskier proposition um, from a deployment perspective, but also particularly from a return on investment perspective for, for the healthcare providers. So across those criteria, I, I think that's something where cloud native tends to shine through and you really see that differentiation. So Archie, just a, a, a quick question for you from a um, an industry perspective, I guess, and, and understanding what you're doing at Change Healthcare specifically, coming back to um, the differentiation between cloud-enabled and, and cloud-native products um, specific to enterprise imaging, I'd be really interested to know how Change are tackling that 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 problem or that challenge as a vendor, and and, and how you see that changing. You know how your 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 uh, customers will deploy enterprise imaging in the future see what steve did there you know i'm supposed to be the one asking him questions but uh no thank you for that steve uh, actually that's a that's a very important um distinction or differentiation that you know change healthcare thinks about you know as we continue to solve the most burning problems in our customer base from changes perspective it is very clear that we truly want to abstract away the complexities for our providers and allow them to focus on what they do best, which is care delivery. And even within care delivery, it really has to be around, you know, can we can they do sort of 90% of the work that they do that today, can they do it faster, better, and more effectively because we can enable some intelligent systems you know, which are transparent to them, but they just work more intelligently. And then I think on the cost perspective, I think what you brought about, you know, this idea of, you know, reliability and performance and having, you know, zero downtime, you know, during your upgrades and, and, and things like that, it really is around that cost and operational efficiency. So with those three tenets in mind, we had to make a choice about three years ago. Are we going to support, you know, cloud-enabled applications and, you know, just do sort of incremental improvements to an already beloved and uh, a scaled system, you know, with with truly amazing performance, or are we going to really burn the house down and, you know, start something 
where the needs of our providers have are you know are, are based in 2021 and not in you know not in the yesteryears so for us it was you know really straightforward to make that call to have a fully cloud native roadmap and we just launched our our first ever stratus imaging packs solutions which are fully cloud native uh, and we have our customer um, actually it's a it's one of the it's one of the very well known teleradiology practice you know statrad you know his you know i met his ceo for for dinner last night and one of the things he said was oh my god i can't get my radiologists off of your system they love using it <laughs> and you know that was it was it was almost funny and ironic at the same time to hear that you know he wants them to love it but not love so much where you know uh, they're reading reading much more than than what uh, he's expecting them to so i think with that you know it's like you said you know you have to scale your performance your reliability um, and you know offers sort of that day one roi on, around cost right so for us it really is about you know cloud native uh, technology and how that enables around these three core tenets that we have. On the other side, we are also very aware that not all of our customers are going to be able to make pivots or changes around, you know, their existing on-prem investments. And so we do have a hybrid offering that allows them to sort of have this mixed, mixed model of deployment where certain systems can stay on-prem others you know we take them to full cloud native infrastructure so that you know they can start and scale that journey with flexibility that their organization needs versus sort of one switch turned on and off so um, that is that has changed this approach and mm -hmm. you know we've worked with our customers we are truly getting that feedback of appreciation especially around you know the the cloud native performance and and scale because i think a lot of the other vendors you know do tout um you know this cloud native enablement and yet you know when when it when you see sort of in action you know the performance falls a little flat and like i mentioned you know uh we want our customers to love us and not you know not think about um you know sort of all the problems that that they have faced in the in the past. So that's our, mm -hmm. our forward roadmap. Fantastic. Yeah, and it's really interesting you mentioned that, Archie, because um, it, in a lot of our research and discussions we've had around cloud deployment, you know, we see hybrid deployments being, you know, quite common. You know, certainly in the near and midterm, you know, as this transformation takes place. So, you know, I think the other key point, you know, that we've certainly taken away, although you know, as the paper, you know, we'll talk about in terms of the, the white paper, you know, that we do see cloud as a long term, you know, inevitable direction for the market. At the same time, you know, there are going to be stepping stones to getting there and it's not, you know, flick a switch and jump from on-prem straight to, you know, full cloud solution straight away. And actually, in some cases and, you know, in some scenarios, the hybrid approach will work best depending on local infrastructure and depending on the different processes and competencies of, of each part of the imaging IT stack as well. So 
um, it's really good that I think you know you you highlighted the importance of that hybrid option as well because you know many providers may be some way off making that big jump into sort of full cloud um, you know for some time to come. So yeah, really really useful. Thank you. Thank you for that, Steve. So what I heard was you know while each organization may have a unique goal to accomplish, you know there are three pillars that we can sort of you know truly think about their transformational journey, you know, cost, care and complexity and the lift and shift strategies can give you some savings across, you know, sort of abstracting that complexity for the organization. But to get your true return on investment and, and truly maximizing and optimizing for your operational efficiencies, you do have to sort of look at a cloud native architecture versus, you know, versus lift and shift. The other C that you talked about or you hinted at was cybersecurity. I am mm -hmm. particularly, you know, interested in it, and I'm sure that our listeners are also really thinking about it. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, you know, we had this re recent, you know, attack on the health service executive of Ireland, HSC. Um, I think it was around May timeframe really terrifying, debilitating attack. It took almost, you know, three to four months to get 70% of their computer devices back online. And probably at the end of September, I think, you know, they're they're fully back now. Um, how, how do organizations actually start planning for these risk mitigation strategies? And, and do you feel like cloud has a role or a solution for it? Sure, yeah, and that's a really good question. I think, you know, I'll get frank, cloud isn't going to solve every cybersecurity challenge that's out there. Um, but I think at the same time, as a transformative change from a technology perspective, it helps to address many of the challenges that healthcare providers are struggling with today. And, and, and a good example, when we talk about enterprise imaging, you know, most healthcare providers are coming at an enterprise imaging strategy with a network of multiple applications in multiple versions from multiple different vendors across their, their networks. You know, I, I've spoken before to healthcare providers here in the UK who, you know, when they do an audit, they could be running over a thousand different applications across their core diagnostic imaging and clinical services. Um, many of those may be in sort of redundancy state or, or are used very rarely, but they still need security patches, they still need to be maintained. And that's a huge burden for the internal IT resources to manage. Obviously, alongside that, we're also getting a big shift in terms of how care is being provided with more focus on coordination and, and you know, interdepartmental um, coordinated care. And that also demands a lot more integration of all the different applications. So all of these individual siloed applications increasingly need to be able to communicate and, and be consolidated together. Um, so the, the combination of those two, you know, when you look at it in a cybersecurity perspective, cloud really does offer, um, I, I guess, a pathway from a technology perspective to lower and mitigate some of those risks in terms of, you know, reducing, you know, the potential for backdoors or security patches to be missed for 
small redundant applications that aren't used very often um, within the network, but do often, you know, provide a way in for, for, for hackers. Um, but also when you consider it in the broader remit of, you know, who the major public cloud providers are and how much they invest in terms of cybersecurity for their own systems versus what a, an average healthcare provider system can do, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, exponentially larger. So you, you start to look at it from a risk perspective there. And if I was in a sort of CIO hot seat now for a healthcare provider, I would be increasingly looking towards cloud providers as leaders from a cybersecurity perspective as well, not just from a cloud technology angle. Um, and that's really important, I guess, when you consider healthcare is one of the most targeted sectors from a um, hacking and a cybersecurity perspective and a ransomware perspective. And you know, the Irish story is just one of a long legacy of, of you know, hacks and attacks that have happened. You know, we hear about it almost every week in the news in the US. Um, the UK NHS, almost a third of the um, system was brought down a few years ago um, in another attack that caused a lot of services to grind to a halt here. Um, and, 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 you know, that's one of, you know, a, a multitude of examples where, you know, cybersecurity or ransomware um, attacks have come ultimately from loopholes or, or back doors that will have been closed if the sort of audit and data governance that is required to move to cloud had happened and then it was being maintained you know in a cloud environment it would be much easier to sort of mitigate the risk or prevent those attacks from happening in the first place you're listening to the change healthcare podcast we're enabling a better more efficient healthcare system whether you need to improve operational efficiency optimize financial performance or enhance the consumer experience we offer the industry insight and innovative technology to help you meet your objectives. Learn more at changehealthcare.com. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, your, your, your insights were so eliminating in a way that I think you, you were able to actually debunk the myth that you know, a lot of us have in terms of, you know, the security and the safety of on-premise applications is you know uh, deployed in the in the public or private cloud so thank you for that uh, steve the next thing i want to touch upon is this idea we're centralizing the data we're democratizing the data in the cloud what comes next you know both for you know the vendors and you know for our healthcare organizations a couple things come to mind one is certainly, you know, this idea of data federation and how do you create this infrastructure or platform as a service strategy for, you know, some of the some of the life science sector and industry. And then the second piece is, you know, really harnessing that power of data to inform uh, and advise, you know, better population health strategies. Where would your, uh, you know, take be in terms of advising, you know, vendors like Change Healthcare and and sort of, you know, is there, should should we be focusing on one prior to the other? That's a very good question, um, and I don't think it's clear cut in terms of how quickly 
you know, we're going to see more of a move to precision medicine, say, in the acute sector and how quickly sort of digital technology and diagnostics is going to drive towards, you know, population health management at considerable scale. Um, the two at the moment are sort of progressing concurrently, but it's very hard to suggest that one is sort of ahead of the other. I think if you look at them independently in the acute sector, where most of the more, um, I guess, advanced diagnosis is happening today, we are seeing definitely an increasing convergence of, I would say, in vitro and in vivo imaging. So we're starting to bring together, you know, MRI and CT scans, you know, alongside genomics and pathology data and, and the tumor board model that's been established in cancer care now for the last decade, 15 years is a really good example of that, you know, of putting all of those different experts in the room to drive forward to a better differential diagnosis and ultimately an improvement for the patient in terms of, you know, not having to go from point to point, but actually having all of the experts collaborating together to provide the best outcome. Um, so I think in the acute sector, we're already starting to see that. The challenge is, obviously, is that all of these technologies are being developed, you know, in their independent verticals, and only now are we starting to see some focus on how you bring all of those pieces together. Um, and that's really evident, say, in digital pathology at the moment. I would say in the last 12, 18 months, we've seen a lot more focus from healthcare providers bringing or looking to bring at least some level of digital pathology content management into their broader enterprise imaging strategies. Um, and, and that's a really exciting development because it shows there is progress towards thinking in terms of how you can bring precision medicine into that environment. I think on the population health side, um, it all comes down to partly how care systems are financially rewarded um, and the shift to outcome-based care models that we've seen over the last few years, particularly in the US, but also you know other markets internationally have been doing this for a while really do push providers to move from a fee-for-service focus um, and actually look at the sort of long-term patient journey through the system and the ongoing management of their care as well. Um, and there's lots of interesting technology starting to come out now, you know, leveraging screening programs, but also, for example, starting to use artificial intelligence algorithms within imaging and screening to look for incidental findings. So if a patient is coming in for a routine um, or a broken arm or, you know, they're, they're coming in for a, a good example I had was a, a motorcyclist who was coming in for a broken pelvis to be x-rayed or CT scan. Um, and during that CT scan, um, the AI was able to identify a lung module that wouldn't have been picked up. Um, and therefore, that patient not only was treated for um, the broken pelvis, but also was then pushed into the cancer treatment pathway as well. Now, from a healthcare provider perspective, that early indication and that early um, bringing of that patient into the pathway much sooner has a significant benefit, both in terms of the cost of care, but also in terms of the improvement of the outcome for the patient as well. So I, I think that's where you start to see the power of bringing these different data points together, um, really being 
you know, transformative from a care perspective, but also when you look at it in the context of cloud technology, cloud really does enable you to get there that bit quicker um, because it really supports that um, enterprise level scaled consolidation of data, um, but also supports that sort of liquidity of data within the system as well. I completely agree with you, Steve. I think, you know, the way you framed the problem or sort of, you know, these two parallel tracks of data federation and how do we harness the, uh, the availability of this democratized data, it's not a matter of, you know, if or when. It really is about, you know, again, bringing back the care to the patient, focusing on the patient and sort of this this entire improvement of the clinical pathway to serve better outcomes. Now, some of those could be, you know, feeding into our preventative measures, but it really is about providing better care pathways and, and workflows for the strongest outcomes that we can deliver to our patients. Let's talk about AI because you briefly touched upon it. Is it here to stay? Because, you know, even in your latest report, I think you you mentioned that the adoption continues to be a challenge. It's actually in single digits. The vendor space itself, you know, is very interesting. Where you will, you know, you you mentioned um, uh, mammography screening and lung nodule detection. Mm -hmm. There is a there is a heightened sort of um, growth in certain areas because that data is available, so that you know the, the models can be built on top. So, what is your what is your uh, prediction? You know, is AI you know really here to stay for enterprise imaging, or are we seeing sort of some some kind of cycle where the adoption needs to precede a certain quality or integration before mm. it becomes mainstream? Yeah, that's, 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 I think it's something we could probably spend a whole other podcast on, <laughs> but I'll do my best to uh, to summarise it as distinctly as possible. Uh, I think when I sort of assess where we are today with AI, I think there is broad acceptance across the sort of provider space that AI will have a role to play. Um, but there are still big questions over clinical validity, over who pays for it and the different business models um, and how it's packaged and sort of presented to the user. Um, I think most of the concerns around, and if I look at radiology as a, a standard example, I think most of the concerns around the radiologist being replaced are waning. Um, and I think it's really now about how AI can augment radiologists to do their job better. Um, and where we where we see that sort of playing more of a role near term, I would say, is in terms of particularly in sort of high volume studies where there is, you know, I guess a triage element or certainly a sort of second check mechanism, uh, I think you know, checking that when the radiologist is getting tired at the end of the day that they're not missing things. So there is a sort of care quality element coming in there. Um, another example where I could see it being more, more more used more readily, particularly with radiologist resource, you know, becoming overstretched, 
uh, with an exponential use in imaging is say in screening as that sort of second opinion, second check. So here in the UK, you have double blind reading. There is potential that one of those blind readers could actually be an AI system doing the reading. Um, so I think that's where you start to say it's about better using resources, you know, and Ray Dodge's resource and actually supporting them to do their job more efficiently. Um, but we also see, a, I'd say, a lot of progress of AI deployment and use, um, you know, in the future embedded within modalities. Um, so we'd call it edge AI and actually, you know, that's where some of the incidental finding um, pieces start to come in. Um, and where it's almost baked into the diagnostic process. So I think that will become a much um, bigger deal moving forward. And then I guess the other thing we're starting to really see probably in the last year is a move away from sort of individual point solutions and point tools and point algorithms towards more comprehensive solutions. So we're starting to see um, you know, AI vendors partner up to provide a more comprehensive offering for a given condition set or a given body area. And we're also starting to see clinical clinical validation um, of AI tools being used across a multitude of different conditions in a body area. Um, so for an example, um, if you look at some of the work coming out of Harrison AI down in Australia, you know, their, their most recent um, study in the Lancet, I think they had over a hundred different um, conditions the AI was able to look at through um, use of a lung image uh, AI algorithm. Um, so it starts to get more powerful as you bring it together um, and you get these more comprehensive solutions. But the last mile challenge around workflow, I think, is one of the areas that remains a struggle of how do you get this and present this to the physician and the diagnosticians in a usable way. Um, you know, and that's where structured reporting becomes more of a discussion as well. Um, and that's an area we've we've also done a fair bit of work recently. And I think there is still quite a lot of work that needs to be done within the industry to really better bring the AI results into the workflow and actually make them more usable um, to diagnosticians and other clinicians, as opposed to you know, just being a PDF that is generated and then stored in the patient record, but never really referenced. So I think there's still some way to go, but there's some really interesting potential. And I think we're starting to see some some real traction in the market as well. I completely agree with you, Steve. I think, you know, the, your work and your team's work around, you know, structured reporting has been phenomenal. I think it has almost unlocked, you know, the, the value of AI and how, you know, us vendors should be thinking about solving the most burning needs for our customers, especially, you know, presenting a whole personal history um, and, and a longitudinal view of, you know, what has happened to the patient and how do we bring back all of this data in, in the most meaningful way. And I, I think, you know, this would be in the same category. We need another podcast to talk about structured reporting. <laughs> Um, I do have a couple more questions. One specifically, I wanted to sort of shift our focus uh, from North America to EU, one of our most important markets, you know, specific actually to, to UK. Mm -hmm. NHS just announced, you know, the public first cloud strategy. Um, do you believe that it will help NHS's collective goals of operational efficiencies and, and sort of 
abstracting or streamlining complexities as they hoped by 2030? I think it will go some way to help. I, I don't think it's the, the golden bullet that will sell, solve everything, um, but it will certainly overcome some of the challenges that the broader you know, NHS has struggled with in the past, which is again, siloed data, poor interoperability between systems and, and, and particularly, I guess, within the NHS, because it's almost, you know, fully publicly funded and publicly available uh, from a payer perspective, you are more likely to have patients move around the system. And, and that's always been a challenge in terms of actually, you know, transfer of patient data. So, you know, you may present at your local um, GP or you may present at your local hospital but be sent to a specialist centre because the NHS is increasingly you know dictating that you have specialist centres for different conditions um, so that exchange of information is really important uh, within that setting and obviously as we've talked about already cloud gives you that extra scalability but it also supports the sort of data governance element around how you move patient information and how you federate that together. So it becomes quite powerful from, from that perspective. The other thing I think if you look at some of the new initiatives that the NHS is driving out um, in the next few years, and a good example is the setting up of um, a range of new diagnostic imaging centres and community diagnostic hubs, which are really designed to sort of a, a bit like it is happening in outpatient imaging in the US, you know, move imaging and diagnosis closer to patients so they're not having to go to the hospital to bring it to their community, but also to, um, you know, again, catch up in terms of that COVID backlog and that waiting list for, for, for diagnosis and, and screening procedures as well. Um, that's obviously adding a whole nother set of locations where care is being provided. So you're having this decentralization of care um, continuing and again it comes into that enterprise scalability challenge and you know can you provide performance you know across different IT applications in different locations um, and that's a challenge I would say if you're running lots of your own on-premise data centers it becomes harder and harder to achieve as that becomes a more and more complex network so I, I think from that perspective where we're seeing it you know, already start to, 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 to be, you know, leveraged and used is that will that will make that process of setting up these um, community hubs much easier. And then I guess the final point um, relating back to, to, to AI as well is the UK is often seen as one of the most um, forward thinking or I guess accessible markets from an AI development perspective, because already we have, you know, sizable um, data sets that can be used in terms of training and using algorithms um, for different conditions and I think it gets even more exciting when you consider that as a fairly unique market in terms of you know a public health um, driven marketplace that is owned you know pretty much 90-95% driven by public finance um, it makes it much easier to start to bring you know real power um, in terms of, you know, federating that data together to create, you know, a unique set of, of data that can be used for the next generation of, uh, of diagnosis and AI tools, etc. Um, so, yeah, th there's lots of exciting stuff happening and I think cloud will be, you know, one of the, 
supporting players in that transition, but obviously there's a lot of other pieces of the puzzle that need to come into play as well. Yes, I think it's it's uh, you put it rightly uh, in that perspective that you know a lot of the pieces have to come together. But I do agree that you know UK is on a it's on a very interesting journey, especially because of that public funded element of it. You know, I was um, at a Halloween party for my eight year old, and I met this gentleman, you know, a UK entrepreneur. You know, recently moved to the Bay Area. And he was doing some amazing, you know, uh, skin diagnostics, if you will, for for cancer screening. And um, I was my mind was blown because, you know, I hadn't heard anything even remotely similar to just to sort of, you know, uh, the value proposition of his, of his company or his startup uh, here here in U.S. And a lot of the advancements, if you will, even in other ologies, if you will, you know, pathology, um, dermatology. I think, you know, a lot of cool things are happening in the UK. So we're definitely keeping an eye on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you brought about this, you know, this idea of, you know, patients being in charge. What advice would you would you give to vendors like Change Healthcare as we as we start, you know, seeing the next wave of transformation, which is really around you know, consumerism, at, you know, and healthcare 2.0, as, as, as we like to call it here in the U- in U.S. What are some of the workflows beyond sort of eliminating CDs and, you know, giving, <laughs> giving access to their reports, their images? What are some of the innovations we should be thinking about so that at the end of the day, the patient is not only well informed of, you know, their their care de, you know care delivery and diagnosis but you know they can actually contribute and, and collaborate on it with the provider sure uh, and, and 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 that's a really interesting area because i think it's one of the the most underserved areas um that both vendors and providers um probably don't spend enough time on is actually thinking about how they can you know better engage patients with both with their system and their product um i, I think from the provider perspective you know we're already seeing you know i would say competition being between providers now intensify there's been a huge amount of consolidation um obviously payers are playing a substantial role in that as well but you know particularly if i look at imaging services as an example the shift to outpatient imaging and that focus around sort of patient choice is becoming a really big part in terms of actually how you know imaging services are going to be consumed in the future and so anything that providers can do both to sort of streamline that process but also um you know ensure that all the way through that process you know the the information is is captured and stored and like you say you know available to the patient will be seen as a competitive differentiator as well even you know the, the counter argument always was well we don't want patients going elsewhere but i think it's almost the the, the reverse actually the more you give and, and support patients in making their own decisions and having access to their own data the more likely they are to stay with you as a system because you know they're they're, they're more willing to play <laughs> um, you know and they're more willing to 
I guess that the loyalty will be there for them in terms of actually, you know, working with that care system overall, you know, in the future as well. Um, so I think patient choice is, is one aspect where they're really looking to have that, you know, supported. I think from the vendor perspective, um, it's a little more challenging because they're almost to an extent one step back. Um, I completely agree with you in terms of the sort of education and, and care concordance aspect almost you know treatment plans and, and actually you know really supporting them and helping them there um, but you can look, there's a few specific examples you can look at in terms of you know the deployment of analytics and business intelligence across systems and actually putting in tools that not only help patients you know manage their care better but also supporting their care providers in knowing you know if a patient is missing an appointment or you know supporting rescheduling and making sure that patient basically doesn't fall out of the care pathway um, and, and in this era of outcome-based care there are benefits both to the patient but also increasingly to the provider from a, a financial perspective as well so for me I think providers or vendors particularly from a you know development and application perspective can do more in terms of that sort of patient provider relationship and really making sure that that is strengthened and, and leveraging technology as a, a, a means to do that and, and it can be very simple things it doesn't have to be you know super complex advanced capabilities it can be basic things like transportation you know how are they getting their scheduling of appointments you know follow-up call etc etc you know just to ensure that, that patient remains you know fully catered for and cared for within that system um, and I think that's something that often is overlooked in you know by you know trying to reinvent the wheel when actually you know fairly basic analytics today can can do that so you know there's a really you know interesting low-hanging fruit in that arena I think that isn't particularly well served by vendors or providers today. Yeah I I loved I loved your insights, Steve. I think you know um, I know we have to we have to part ways, but I really wanted to sort of summarize you know not only your your latest insight around you know how do we empower patients and connect them to their own care delivery, but also you know for vendors like Change Healthcare who have that scale and you know connectivity to truly focus on social determinants of health. It's like you said, you know, it's these are simple things that, you know, really do go a long way in empowering the patient to take care of themselves a little bit better and thereby, you know, putting less stress on the healthcare systems as well. So thank you for that insight, Steve. Uh, we really enjoyed um, having you here today. Uh, for the listeners who joined in a little bit late, uh, we have Steve Holloway, co-founder, director, and principal analyst at Signify Research, who took the time today to chat with us uh, around the transformative effect of cloud technology, especially in, uh, in imaging informatics. Also, please don't forget to check the show notes for links to resources and uh, the contact information related to today's show. Stay tuned to the Change Healthcare podcast for some more shows covering the healthcare IT topics that you care about. For more information on navigating your organization's journey to enterprise imaging in the cloud and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. I'm Archie Mayani, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. 
You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. We're focused on accelerating the transformation of the healthcare system through the power of the Change Healthcare platform. We provide data and analytics-driven solutions to improve clinical, financial, administrative, and patient engagement outcomes in the U.S. healthcare system. Learn more at changehealthcare.com.